The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. up to Judges chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And today we're starting a new series called The Songs of Christmas. And in this series we're going to be looking at uh, some of the most popular, most famous songs of Christmas. And we're going to take a look at the themes of those songs from a biblical perspective. So real quick, I want to take 30 seconds here, real quick off the top. I want you to kind of get with the people around you. And I want you to do your best to name as many of the nine reindeer, Santa's nine reindeer, as you can. 30 seconds, ready, go. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells. All right, thirty seconds is up. How'd you guys do? Anybody think they got all nine? You think you did? Okay, well let me help you out here. Well, you know, Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. But did you recall the most famous reindeer of all, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? And today I want to talk to you about the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, unless you've been you know, frozen in carbonite or something over the last hundred years, uh, you would know the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's one of the most popular songs of Christmas. In fact, it's one of the most popular songs in history. And so I thought, you know, in order for us to kind of get started with, with Rudolph, if we're going to talk about it, we kind of got to sing it, right? we got to sing it. And, and in order to save you from the punishment of me leading you and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I thought, well, hey, let's have our worship leader, David Terry, come back up and help lead us in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, here's the thing about Christmas songs. One of the key elements of Christmas songs is you got to have something Christmassy in it. Like, you can't just, you know, this is the problem a lot of people do, okay? They, they try to just make a pop song and they put Christmas themes in it. You can't do that. You gotta have something Christmassy in the song. You gotta, you gotta go the extra mile there. And so you gotta have something like jingle bells or, or something in there. And so I brought uh, some jingle bells this morning. And, and I want someone to help me. And, and I thought, who, who better to expose to this church in a better way than our very own Jake Lippert? So, Jake, would you come on up here with me? And play the jingle bells for us. You can come right up over here. I know, I don't want you to pull a hamstring here. So come up. Oh! Yeah. Those of you who don't know Jake, Jake oversees our setup and teardown team. He's an amazing guy. If you don't know him, get to know him. Jake, you can just put these kind of on your little hand like that. And uh, you're going to play along here with David. I think I got a mic right here. And you're going to hold the mic and just kind of get, get it. Now, okay. right. now, don't overdo it, okay? That's another problem with Christmas songs. It's got to be tasty, okay? You got to get in the pocket, get in the pocket of the song and play it right. All right, David, are you ready, sir? You gonna make Uncle Mike proud this morning? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So David and uh, and Jake, take it away. Oh wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys gotta sing along. Okay. So sing along, everybody. This is a a team effort here. Okay. You know Tasha and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donna and Vixen, but to you. Stop right there. Okay, great job, Jake. You're on it, dude. No, you're not done yet. We're not done yet. All right, so 
it really is true. We, we just talked about this. If you didn't do very good on naming the reindeer, I'm guessing that you were at least able to name Rudolph because Rudolph is the most famous reindeer of all, and we're about to find out why. David, go ahead. All right, stop. All right, so the story of Rudolph begins with us hearing about this very distinguishing quality of Rudolph's life. He has a big, red, shiny nose. And, uh, and if you know the story of Rudolph, maybe you've seen the 60s stop animation cartoon with, with Hermie and, and Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble Snowman. You know that Rudolph is, is afraid of people finding out about his secret. So he hides it away and, and he thinks that his, his secret makes him a misfit. And he doesn't want that to be known, so they hide it away, but the secret comes out. David, go ahead. Okay, stop. Jake, I expect more from you, buddy. Step up. So what happens is his, his red-nosed secret comes out, and when it comes out, his worst nightmare comes to pass. All of the other reindeer begin to laugh and mock him and start calling him names because apparently Rudolph was in junior high or high school. And, and so this is, here's the thing. This is kind of a very real fear that we can all deal with in our life, right? There's things in our life that we don't want people to know about, things in our life that we don't want people to see, things in our life that are weaknesses that we don't want people to be exposed to. We want people to see our strengths. We want people to know the best parts of us. Because what will they say? What will they think if they see that part of our life that makes us look weak? Well, the story kind of takes a turn from here. Something happens and, and Rudolph is asked to take his weakness and expose it uh, for the world to see. Go ahead, David. All right, stop. Doing, that was better. Good job. So Santa comes to, to Rudolph because there's this terrible storm and, and Christmas is at risk of being canceled. And Santa comes to Rudolph. He says, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And here's, here's what Santa is saying. Santa is saying, Rudolph, would you take that thing that you look at and you consider a weakness? Will you take that thing that makes you a misfit, the thing that you've tried to hide away? Will you take that thing and will you use it and allow it to light the way for me and for others. And we don't really get the answer. Like it doesn't come out in the next verse and say, and Rudolph said, yes. No, we just, we just see the results of what happened, which is everything changes for Rudolph. And the other reindeer that were once mocking him begin to sing a different tune. David, would you finish us strong here, Jake? Let's do this. All right. One, two, three, four. Then how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out You'll go down in history. Give him a hand, guys. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. That was awesome. Are you guys having fun? Oh, yeah. All right, so once, once his uh, red nose secret comes out, once he uses that secret, everything changes for his life. And and, and Rudolph becomes a hero in the eyes of other people. And, and I, here's what I want you to see this morning. 
What if that, there's a thing in our life that we consider to be a weakness, that we consider to be something that maybe we've hidden away, that we don't want other people to see? What if, what if today, what if God wants to take that thing and he wants to empower it and make it an area of strength in your life? I believe that God wants to do that today. And so today I want to talk to you about the hidden strength of weakness. If you're taking notes, that's what we're calling this message, the hidden strength of weakness. Because here's what I want you to see today. There is a hidden strength in your weakness. Because there is the potential in your weakness for God to show up in it. And for him to provide his strength in your weakness and and make you stronger than you you could ever imagine. You know, as I read the Bible, uh, the Bible is a book full of misfits. It's full of stories about people who, who had weaknesses and who, who didn't seem like they were qualified for some of the jobs that God was calling them to do. I, I think of people like Abraham. Abraham couldn't have kids, and yet God called him to be the father of, of the Israelite nation, of the Jewish people, and God used him to be that. I, I think about people like Moses. Uh, Moses had, wasn't a very good communicator. He had a stuttering problem, and yet God used him to be the voice of freedom for the Israelite people. People like David, who was too small, didn't seem qualified to go fight a giant like Goliath. They put armor on him and it didn't even fit. And yet God used him to slay this giant that everyone else was afraid of. We see story after story after story in the Bible of God using people who didn't seem like they fit, people who, who had huge weaknesses, and using them in powerful ways. And today I want to look at, a, at one such story like that. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to look at the story of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon. And as you're turning there, or you're getting there, if you don't have a Bible this morning, that's totally cool. We'll have the verses up here for you to follow along with. But I've got three points for you this morning that have to do with the hidden strength of weakness and how God wants to use your weaknesses and provide his strength to them. And the first point is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If God is with you, you have all the strength you need. If God is with you, you have all the strength you need. You need. Now, as we, as we look at Judges 6 here, what we have is a story of, of the Israelite people, and they are in a bad situation. They have turned their back on God, and because of that, they've been handed over to an enemy. This enemy is called the Midianites, and the Midianites were bad news. They were really mean, ugly, uh, bully people. And they would do stuff like, like the Israelite people would, would raise their crops up. And and as the crops were ready to be harvested, they would come down and they would take all of the crop that they needed for their people and they would destroy the rest of it. They wanted Israel to have nothing. They would would steal their livestock. They, they, They were more powerful than the Israelite people and the Israelite people couldn't do anything about it. And so they were just getting bullied and abused by these people. And so finally, after years of this going on, the Israelite people decide to turn to God and ask for God's help. And of course, God comes to their aid and comes to their rescue And and he turns to this guy, and he uses one of the most unlikely people in all of history in order to do that. And that's what we're going to look at here in uh, Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came. Now, real quick, just so you know, the angel of the Lord, anytime you read about the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, uh, it's a picture that, or it it is the pre-incarnate Jesus in the Bible. It's Jesus before he came and was born in the Christmas story of Mary. This is is him. So this is him showing up on the scene. It says, The angel Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. I'll leave that alone. Which belonged to Joash, the Abbey's right, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So as we're introduced to Gideon here, we find him in a place of hiding. 
He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, for those of you who don't know, let me explain what, this, what threshing wheat, how this works. When you would thresh wheat, what you would do is you would take wheat and you would crush it up and pound it and, and break it up, and then you would throw it up into the air. And there's this part called a, shaf, a chaff on it, and, and you would you do this in an open area because you wanted the wind to blow away the chaff, and the rest of it, the useful part, would fall down on the ground. And you would do this over and over again until you had you know your good wheat that you could go make bread and stuff like that. So you needed an open area. You needed they would do this on hills a lot of times where there was a good breeze, good wind. But we find Gideon doing this in a wine press. A wine press is, 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 in, is a hole in the ground. He's hidden away. He doesn't want the Midianites to see what he's doing. He's, he's protecting and guarding and, and hiding because he's afraid of what will happen if they find out about this. So that's, this is the first image we see of this guy. And I want you to notice how God speaks to him. Look at this, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus, appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I'll stop right there. Is there anything about this guy's life right now that is screaming that he is a mighty man of valor? No, there's not. And yet Jesus shows up on the scene and says, the Lord's with you, you mighty man of valor. And what I want you to see today is that Jesus looks at you through the eyes of faith. You see, Jesus, the Bible, God calls us to walk by faith. The Bible says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And God never asks you to do anything that he doesn't already do. So when God looks at us, he always looks at us through the eyes of faith. And when God looks at Gideon, he doesn't look at him just in the power that he has. He looks at him with the potential of the power that he can have if he's with God, if he's partnered up with God. Notice he says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. If the Lord is with you, then you are a mighty man of valor. He's declaring, if I'm with you, you got more than enough, and I'm with you, so you got more than enough. And that same statement is true for you today. I don't know what you're facing today, but no matter what you're facing, if the Lord is with you, you're a mighty man or woman of valor. You got more than enough. Verse 13, Gideon comes back, and he's got all these excuses. And you see this just dripping with fear and dripping with questions and dripping with frustration. He says, Gideon said to him, oh, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, for some reason, I'm, I'm a visual person. And so as I was reading this this week, I couldn't help but think of the character George McFly when I would read about Gideon here. You guys remember George McFly? George McFly was Marty McFly's dad. You know, and, and you've seen Back to the Future, uh, Marty goes back in time, he messes up his family and, and gets the story kind of messed up. And so now he's got to get his parents back together. And so he goes to his dad and his dad is this guy who's been bullied. His dad is this guy that's been beaten down. He's wimpy, he's weak, and he keeps trying to get him to, to do certain things. And he's got excuses and fear. And you just see that this guy is not the hero of the story. And when, as I look at Gideon, <laughs> that's kind of what I saw. Gideon's this guy that he's beaten down, he's been bullied, he's been knocked down, and he's weak and afraid. But look at what God says, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Another translation says, go in the strength you have. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now Gideon comes back with more excuses, more reasons to say, listen, God, you got the wrong guy. I am not the guy for the job. He says this in verse 15, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, 
and I am the least of my father's house. Here's what Gideon says to God. God, you got the wrong guy, okay? You know, you got your 12 tribes of Israel, God, you know? I have a clan inside one of those tribes, and my clan is the weakest of all the tribes, and I am the weakest of the clan. Here's what Gideon is saying. I am the weakest of the weakest. He's trying to convince God, I'm not, you got the wrong guy. Like God doesn't know who he's talking to. Like God's not going, oh, wait, you're not Samson? Oh, dude, this is awkward. No, God knows who he's dealing with. He knows who's in front of him. But God doesn't care. Because God doesn't care about your weakness. He cares about his strength. And he sees Gideon through the eyes of faith of who Gideon can be if Gideon will just partner up with him and go fight the fight that he's put in front of him. And so it says, uh, let's see here. It says in verse 16, God says, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God says, listen, I know you're weak, but I'm not here to talk about your weakness. I'm here to talk about my strength. You got me with you. And if you got me with you, you have more than enough. I'm with you. It'll be fine. Let me illustrate this for you. I want you to imagine, I have an eight-year-old son. His name is Gus. And he goes to Haskell Elementary. Haskell Elementary. Woo-woo. I'm sorry. He goes to Deer Creek Elementary. (laughs) We're in Haskell Elementary. Thank you for that correction. Nobody else can do that, though, but her. Okay, so, I mean, yeah. So my son's in his school. <laughs> he's eight years old. He's in second grade. And I want you to imagine that Russell Westbrook shows up at his school one day. And Russell Westbrook decides that he's going to play a basketball game with, with some of the kids at the school. And so they start to select teams. And it just so happens that my son Gus and Russell Westbrook are on one team, just the two of them. And they're going to take on uh, 10, not five, but 10 of the best fifth graders in all of his school, Deer Creek Elementary. <laughs> and so the game's getting ready to tip off, and my son Gus comes to me. He says, Dad, I, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not strong enough. These guys, look at those guys. There's more of them than there is of me. And they're bigger than me. And, and, and I, I, there's no way. I'm going I'm to embarrass myself. They're going to destroy me. There's nothing I can do. You know what I'm going to say to my son? <laughs> Buddy, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Just go in the strength that you have. And, and the strength that you have, Russell Westbrook is on your team, okay? I guarantee you, those 10 fifth graders are not going to stand a chance against you and Russell Westbrook. Just do your best, and I promise you, you're going to win. How many of you would think that Gus and Russ are going to win against 10 fifth graders, right? Everyone in here, of course they would. Now, here's what I want you to see this morning. We face stuff. And you may be facing something today and you're going, man, I'm outnumbered. This is bigger than me. I can't handle this. And my my word to you would be, go in the strength that you have. And the strength that you have is God is with you. The Bible says uh, in Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's what God was saying. That's what we're, we're told here. If God's on your side... It doesn't matter what you're up against. It doesn't matter how strong your opponent is because, listen, your ally is so much stronger than your opponent, it doesn't even matter. You are going to win. If you just show up, do your best and allow God to do his best in your weakness, you are going to win because if God is with you, you have all the strength you need. All right, so point number two, we're going to jump over to Judges chapter seven. Point number one, if God is with us, we have all the strength we need. Point number two is God can empower the right people to help you. 
God wants to give you strength, but God also wants to surround you with people that he can use to bring strength into your life too. And so in Judges chapter 7, we have Gideon, and he has decided that he's going to do what God asked him to do. He finally gets up the courage. He doubts God, but he goes back and forth. He tries to get God to prove, you know, and all this stuff. And finally, he's believing God, and so he starts to assemble an army, and he gets together 32,000 people to help him go fight this battle. And Gideon's probably be feeling pretty good at this point. You know, I think we're still outnumbered, but I think we can do pretty good. I got 32,000 guys. He presents his army to God, and God says, This ain't going to work. Now look at this. This is verse 2 of Judges chapter 7. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give you, the Midianites, into your hands. Now, poor Gideon, you know. (laughs) He's he's George McFly. Like, he's feeling pretty good. And then God sees his army and says, "Uh, You got too many. Let's let's cut this down a little bit. And, And God says to him, If I give you this win, look at what it says next. It says, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Here's what God's saying. If I give you this win, if I empower you and and you guys win this battle, you might just think that you did it by your own hand. And I don't want you to think that. I want you to know that I did this because I want to get the glory for it. Now, before you start thinking, well, God is an egomaniac. Like, he just wants the glory for it. Uh, I want you to know, it's not that God wants to glory. See, God wants to stand in your weakness because he wants to prove his strength in your weakness so that you run and turn to him when you're in weakness. So that you, you go to him and you realize that he's your provider. He's your helper. He's your strengthener. It's the same reason that with my kids, I don't really try to sell them on the whole Santa Claus thing. Now, hear me. <laughs> if you do Santa, I'm not, I'm not ragging on you, okay? That's fine. But, but this is me, okay? This is my, my deal. I don't want Santa taking the glory for the presents I give my kids. I I just don't. I work hard to get them those presents, and we go out shopping, and we we make a big deal out of this, and I don't want some fake person getting the credit for it. Anybody else with me on this? So we we have a few things that we say, well, Santa got you, you know, that, that unicorn over there, whatever, but... But the good stuff, that came from dad. And, and here's why. It's not that I just want my kids to you know, give me a bunch of glory. I want my kids to realize I'm a good dad. And they need me. And, and I can help them. And I'm there for them. And I want to do good things in their life. And I want to provide for them. That's why I do that. In the same way, God wants to stand in your weakness so that when you're facing situations where you feel weak, you're not looking somewhere else. You go looking to him to bring you strength and to bring you help and to bring you aid. And here's the other thing. When God empowers you in your weakness and other people see that, it's a great testimony to the faithfulness and power and love of God. Other people will see, you know, there's people in your life that maybe they know about some of the weaknesses of your life. They've seen you in some struggles. And then God turns that around and gives you strength in those areas. What a testimony that is to them of the faithfulness of God. That's what God wants to do. So it says in verse 3, Now therefore proclaim, this is God talking, in a hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. So God says, tell everybody if they're afraid, they can go. Now look at this. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So, so Gideon goes, okay, if any of you guys are afraid, and he's maybe hoping that like, there's a handful of people that go. If any of you guys are afraid, you guys can go ahead and go. And 22,000 people go, deuces. And they're out. We gone. And he's left with the two-thirds of his army just leaves. And he's got 10,000. But God's still not done. Look at this. Verse uh, 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. 
Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that uh, of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all of the rest, that's 9,700, all of the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Okay, so Gideon starts off with 32,000. Then it's down to 22,000. And now it's down to 300. Here's what God says. He says, take that 10,000, take them down the water. And so they go down the water and 300 of them get down like this and they put their hand in the water and they they drink of the water with their heads up like this. But the other 9,700 put their face down in the water like this and drink the water with their butt up in the air. (laughs) And God says, hey, those people with their butts up, you can get rid of them. Now, here's what I want you to see. God showed me something really cool this week. You know, sometimes in our life, there's some people that have their butts up in our life that we need to dismiss from our life. People that are kind of like this. Hey, you know, I love you, but... Hey, you know, I really really love that you're, 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 you know, doing this God thing, but why can't we party like we used to? I appreciate the fact that, that you're a Christian and, you know, you want to be pure and you want to be holy and all that stuff, but I love you. So why can't we have premarital sex? And God says this. He says, those people like that in your life that have their butts up, you need to get them out. And there may be some people in your life today that maybe they want to be in your life, but they keep, they keep sticking their butt up in your life. And you need to dismiss them. From your life. Now, I'm not saying you can't have friends that aren't Christians. Here's what I'm saying. The people that are going into the fight with you, the people you're really counting on, they need to be people who are looking out for you. People who have their heads up and their eyes up. People who realize the seriousness of the situation we're facing. That we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. People who are watching out for you. This is why we make such a big deal out of groups here at New Song. We want you to be connected with people who are watching out for you, who are helping you, because we're in a fight, we're in a battle, and you need the right people around you. So for some of you today, you need to get the butts out of your life. Let them go. And so Gideon goes into this fight. Gideon, let me run. George McFly goes into this fight with him, the weakest of the weak, and 300 people, but the right people. He goes into this fight against this huge army, and God gives them the victory. Now, I I read through all of this, and and I found this in Judges 8. This is so amazing. It talks about the size of the enemy that they were fighting against. And it it says that after the the first day, Judges 8, uh, verse 5, it says, After the first day, there were 15,000 left because 120,000 had fallen by the sword. 301 went against 135,000. And on the first day, they took out 120,000. Now, just so you know, the odds here, that's 448 to 1. Each one guy 
had an army against him bigger than the army he fought with. But you know who was with him? God. The right people with the right God can do amazing things. Because if we will go with the strength we have, and the strength we have is God, if God is with us, we have all the strength we have, and we surround ourselves with the right kind of people who have their heads up and are ready to fight with us, God can do some amazing things in our life. And so it's because of that that we need to do number three. The mindset we need to have as believers is this. Number three, be weak-minded. Be weak-minded. Now, when I say be weak-minded, I don't mean that, I'm not talking about being weak or fragile mentally, okay? I'm not talking about being, you know, in a, in a I'm talking about being aware of where you're weak, the areas of your life where you feel like you don't measure up, being aware of those areas and allowing God to work in those areas and to use you to work in those areas to, to minister to other people. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. I want you to see this with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul talks about this idea of being weak-minded and about the power that we can have in, in God in our weakness. He says in verse 5, he says this, I will boast only about my weakness. Now that is an uncommon statement, my friends. Nobody wants to boast about our weaknesses. We want to boast about our strengths. We want, to talk, we want people to see our best. That's why we've invented stuff like Instagram. <laughs> it's a great way to show our highlight reel to other people. We don't typically see people that are getting on there and first thing in the morning before they roll out of bed, they're taking pictures. Looking awful. No. We want people to see us at our best. And yet Paul says this, but, but here's what Paul realized. Paul realized that at his weakest, God was strongest. Look at what it says in verse 9. God said to me, this is Paul talking about what God said to him. My grace is all you need. And look at this. My power works Best. Everybody say best. best. My power works best in your weakness. That's what God said to Paul. That my power can work in your life best in your weakness. So Paul said, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. See, uh, the power of Jesus is realized in the greatest way in our life. When we own the areas of our life where we feel weak. When we really decide that we're going to own those areas, we're not going to allow those areas to own us. That's what verse 10, he says this, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ for. Everybody say this with me. When I am weak, I am strong. Paul understood something that you need to understand today. And that is this. God showcases his power on the stage of human weakness. God loves to show up in your fragile state where you are weak and prove his power through you, to you, to the world around you. That's what God wants to do. God says, my power works best in your weakness. God doesn't just say, my power can work in your weakness. He says, my power works best in your weakness. The Amplified says it like this. My power is being perfected. And is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. My friends, I don't know what, where you're at today, but to know that a perfect God can show off his perfect power in my weakness is very reassuring for me. That God can show up in the worst part of me and display himself in a powerful way to the world around me, that's a very satisfying thought for me to have. 
So where you consider yourself to be the weakest today is potentially where you actually are the strongest today because you're strong in God and the power of his might in those areas. Because where you feel weak, he is strong. And, and realize this, you're, you at your best in your own strength pales in comparison to you at your weakest in God's strength. So maybe we've had it all wrong. <laughs> maybe we've been working really hard to try to show off our, our best when in fact we should really be working really hard to allow God to work through our weaknesses and bring his strength into our life. I want to invite the band to go ahead and come up at this time. Paul said, I take pleasure in my weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now back to Rudolph. <laughs> uh, we learned something from Rudolph. Like Rudolph, we all have weaknesses in our life. We all have areas of our life that we try to cover up. Areas of our life where we feel like misfits. We feel like we don't measure up. We'd rather hide those things away and keep those things where other people can't, can't see them because if they see them, what will they think? What will they say? But like, like Rudolph, what if that very area of weakness can be used to do something amazing? What if that area can be used by God to change the world, to change other people's lives? Maybe we should be more focused on submitting those areas of our life where we feel weak to God. Those areas where we feel uncomfortable, those areas where we feel like misfit, we, we submit those to God and allow him to use those areas of our life. Here, here's what this looks like kind of practically, okay? Well, probably all of us in here are thinking of that area of our life where we feel kind of weak today. We feel like we're, maybe it's a sin we're struggling with, maybe it's something that's happened to us in our life that we can't seem to overcome, whatever that may be. We take that and we, we go to God with it. And we say, God, here I am at my worst. This is what I consider to be my worst. And we say, God, I, I submit this to you and I also allow you to use it. And I say to you that if you want to use me through this weakness, that's what I'll, I'll give you my life there. That's what Gideon had to do. He had to say, God, I'll, I'll use that very weakness. That's, that's what Rudolph had to do. And that's what we need to do. So it looks kind of like this. We're talking to somebody and we start to hear about their story and maybe there's something in their story that we can relate to. And we say stuff like, you know, I had a divorce and it, it broke my heart. Or we say stuff like, I lost a baby once and it was devastating and it hurt. But God healed my heart and he saved me and he helped me and he can do the same thing for you and I'd love to help you. We say stuff like, I was an addict, I was addicted to drugs, or I was addicted to alcohol, or I was addicted to pornography, or maybe I was addicted to all of them, <laughs> but I turned to God in my weakness, and he set me free, he changed my life, and he can do the same for you, and I, I'd, love, I'd love to help you with that. Maybe we say something like, God, I, or we say, I was molested. People that were supposed to protect me took advantage of me. And I was angry. But I met God. And I met other people. And they helped me to forgive and to move past that. And now I want to help people like you who are struggling in that same kind of way. And we allow God to do amazing things. I believe this. I believe God is calling you to take the shiny red nose of your life 
that thing that you consider to be your weakness, God is calling you to give that to him today, to submit it to him today. And when you do, God will take it and he'll work with you through it to change the world in ways that you could never, ever imagine. But in order to do that, you've got to be weak-minded. You can't hide your shiny red nose. You can't hide that thing that you think makes you a misfit. You know, I think we all have a tendency sometimes to want to kind of edit our story, edit the testimony of our life. Maybe you've seen God do some miracles in your life. And when you talk to other people around it, you, you give them the highlights of it, but you don't necessarily talk about the nitty-gritty parts. Because we think, well, we don't want to, you know, I don't want to expose that part of myself to them. But I think what we don't realize sometimes is we're maybe hiding from them the part that proves God's faithfulness the most. By not giving them the full story, somehow we say, well, maybe God can't handle the really dark, really rough stuff of your life. I'm, say, I'm not saying you have to let everybody in on your business. But when it's appropriate, share your testimony and share all of it and let God use it. Where you are weak or where you were weak, he can be strong in your life. I I love what my wife says. She says this. She says, your story could be the key that unlocks someone else's prison. So don't be afraid to share it. Give your shiny red nose to God this morning and let him use it. Santa came to Rudolph and he said, Rudolph... Will you take that thing that you consider to be a weakness and will you use it to light the way for me and for others? And I believe God says this to you today. He says, will you take that weakness of your life and will you allow me to empower it so that it can light the way for you and for a dark, hurting, desperate world? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.